0: Uh, So, my name's Tom, I'm the Chief Engineer at Aria Group.
1: Thanks so much for giving up time to talk to us today. I should actually come out in full disclosure, so I used to work here, so I do know Tom a little bit. Um, Actually, there is an interesting backstory, which is I think I was one of the many people that probably interviewed you at ThoughtWorks?
0: Yeah, that's right. I think when I, um, that would have been back in 2005, I think. Uh, and yeah, I think you were the second round interviewer. It was oh. you, it was you and I recall the name Fema, yeah,
1: Andrea, okay, Andrea,
0: okay, yeah. yeah. It was you, yeah you and Andrea interviewed me as the uh, cultural fit interview. I think after being grilled by the techies on my code.
1: Where did you work before then?
0: Um, uh, I actually used to work at Ericsson, and okay. uh, I met Scott Shaw there, who's ah. um, currently the one of the lead engineers in the Saltworks Australia business, oh. and yeah. He, you're going to tap me on the shoulder and um, yeah, we've never looked at.
1: Oh, very good.
0: Yeah, so like like many Australians we're, we're migrants, so I actually grew up in Argentina yeah. and uh, we migrated to Australia when I was 12. The story is Argentina was going through a ma- major kind of financial crisis as they do every every years and yeah, my parents are both professionals. Uh, just sick of sick of the politics and the uh, challenges there and basically for their kids uh, we migrated here and we've got an uncle here so that was basically the reason we we landed here
1: oh wow there's yeah. 12 I, I didn't realize you were so old um, when you came over so you really do sound aussie you were saying before that you <laughs> thought you sounded aussie at a
0: conference yeah i think they say it's uh it's, it's right on the cusp of when you're 12 13 it's right on the cusp of whether you keep your accent or you lose your accent uh-huh. so if you're just just under you're going to lose it if you're just over Um, you have it forever. I think I'm just on the cusp of it because I think I've still got a bit of it.
1: Yeah. Tell me a bit about your REA journey then, and all the roles that you've had since you started.
0: Yeah, so I've been at REA for eight years now, which is a long, long time, I think, in the tech industry these days. Um, You know, before that, I was working at ThoughtWorks. We were working at ThoughtWorks together. And I think, like uh, most consultants, uh, you get to the point where you're a bit tired of working with other people's toys and not being... um, not seeing the results of the advice that you give. So I've certainly got to that stage. Uh, and at the time, a good friend of mine, uh, Rich Donnell, who's the ex-CTO of REA, uh, came across, and a few months later, I followed him. Uh, and REA was really going through a big transformation at that time, so mm. really since then, have grown, grown with the company. With, with the company, yeah. Uh, my first role was, at a, was a delivery lead, iteration manager type, type role. Uh, and then I kind of progressed into more senior leadership roles through one of our lines of businesses, um, the media and developer line of business. Uh, and then I was for a while uh, the CTO, like an influencing CTO, like not an executive CTO. Mm-hmm. And then two years ago, I, um, I joined the executive team as the chief engineer. Yeah, I'd say look, I'd say it's, technology is a critical role to RIA. We're a digital purebred company. So everything we do comes to life through our technology and our, and our products. So it's a very important part of the, the strategy. Personally, it's very exciting to be at the helm of that. I think we are uh, quite a progressive, exciting technology organisation to work in. We have a great culture. We are industry leaders, I think, in a bunch of areas and uh, yeah, certainly proud of what we've uh, achieved and what we are going to achieve from here as well. Mm
1: -hmm. So is it scary stepping into that?
0: Well, I'd say personally for my own leadership journey, I'd say I'm a reluctant leader is what I would say. (laughs) Like I've never I've never really been career driven or have had career goals in my in my life. So oh. uh, it's one of those things that kind of creeps up on me and you know, every every step I'm a bit surprised by, by it. But uh, certainly I've loved the journey, it's really exciting and uh, I'm very encouraged by uh, the support that I get in, in my role as well. Yeah, mm,
1: cool. Uh, what's been the most
0: surprising thing? Uh, there's been lots of surprising things. I think probably the most surprising things, I think, um, uh, you know, I think we put leaders up on pedestals sometimes, like mm-hmm. the, the obscurity of not seeing what happens in a boardroom and we sort of build these things up in our in our heads.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and actually this has been true as I've moved into leadership positions in more seniority is that at every level, it's just people, it's just people working it out. There yeah, is no right. magic source, like there's no amazing kind of um, intellect or specialness or uh, anything different about the people that are in those roles. The stakes are higher, the maybe the, um, the caliber of the group you're swimming with is maybe higher as well. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's really just people working it out and people doing the best they can in the environment they've got and playing the cards they've got. Mm. And I probably imagine, it's like if you keep going, it's probably the same. Like I just imagine like, being in the White House must be about the same. It's <laughs> just you know, a bunch of people just trying to do the best they can what they got you know it's just people in the end
1: yeah maybe more burgers and uh government secrets i don't know yeah, more,
0: more midnight tweeting perhaps yeah
1: it's mm-hmm, interesting and i imagine as well that it's quite different
0: yeah I'd, I'd say probably the the breadth and depth has increased but probably not along technology dimensions in some way i think um you know when you step into biz- business leadership roles or Executive leadership roles, um, your primary job is to run the company mm. so and technology can be uh, the specialty and one of the angles through which you do that, but we're at the table solving market problems, financial problems, legal problems mm. capability problems and and technology and product problems as well. A contribution at that level can't just be the your specialty it has to be much broader than that so yeah. I think the stretch. If I if I reflect on my own leadership journey, I think I'm uh, transitioning from a technology leader into a better-rounded business leader, yeah,
1: right.
0: which is what you need to be. I think if you're, you know, an executive in a ASX hundred company.
1: Mm. One of the things I know the tech community loved about the fact that you're in the role is that you do know tech, or did know tech once upon a time. <laughs> um enough to, to be dangerous maybe can you actually get your hands dirty and take anymore
0: um it's, it's interesting actually had the you know we had a new grads start this year mm. uh actually this week and on monday which was a couple of days ago um i had a chance to speak to them and, and get, get to know them a little bit and i, I got exactly that question is how do you how do you stay in touch with code yeah. and do you still code and those things and
1: tell us about
0: react, uh, <laughs> tell us about react. and it's interesting i think the I kind of, I reflected on the journey they're on. You know, the first first job after university, like the the world's about, you know, the size of a postage stamp in terms of what technology is. Whereas yeah. when I when I look at technology, the the problems that I'm really interested in are, are kind of big scale architecture, complexity, building engineering organisations, yeah. having lots of squads and lots of products, kind of working together, getting economies of scale out of that. So they're all kind of engineering and engineering management type problems. Mm. They're not day-to-day coding problems. Um, And that's kind of, I've kind of come to the um, acceptance or realization or conclusion that I can add the most value uh, by doing that.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: But having said that, I still consider myself quite technical. So I, my background's in technology, I've been a developer all my life. Uh, The reason I'm on the exec table is in large parts because I know that stuff really well, mm. and I can contribute at that level. Yeah. So while my contribution um, at the exec team is as a business leader, my specialty is in technology, and that is very much kind of what I bring to, to the table. That's unique that yeah. nobody else in that table has got. Yeah. Uh, so personally, you can really I really
1: confuse them. <laughs> yeah, confuse them or um, enlighten them,
0: or enlighten them, or actually call, call out things that you're um, You know, call out blind spots and spot things that perhaps are not. Um, Obvious, as, as everybody else can. You know, people have got on the, around the table. They've got different backgrounds and different strengths, and they can look at problems from different angles. Sure. Uh, personally, I still tinker with stuff, so I, I still love it. So um, I don't really do production code anymore. It's been quite a while since I've written any production code, uh, but I play around with things, and I every now and then I find a pet project just to geek out on. Yeah. You know, and I play with my kids as well, so yeah. teaching them to code.
1: Very good. How do you switch from being talking to boards, then to talking to teams? I assume you still talk to the little people.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true, and and you know actually technology is one of those things that spans the entire organisation. So what technology people working on a squad writing a bit of code care about is quite different to what the board cares about, mm. and and there's everything in between. Um, so I think for me it's just adjusting um, the conversation to to fit the conversation and fit the um, topics that they really care about. So uh, when I talk to the board about technology, they couldn't care less about AWS and architecture and microservices. They want to know, um, you know, where's, where are the technology trends going? Are we well set up to do that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, to, to kind of, um, is that a potential disruptor angle to us? Are we missing a trick by not, not, mm. not spotting a trend? Uh, are we cost effective in how we manage uh, our costs? and what we spend our money on. What a boring question. Yeah, are we partnering (laughs) with the right partners? Um, Do we have a good build versus buy approach? Um, Do we have capabilities that we're missing that we should be bringing into the company? Do we have the right people? They're the kind of things the board cares about. Mm. Um, And then when you go all the way down uh, to a team level, they care about what's the programming language, what's the framework, um, what's the test coverage, what's our architecture strategy? Totally, totally different topics and mm. they're, they're both they're both important they're just um, different
1: How do you manage your time? because you are pretty busy before <laughs> from memory and, and I assume you have less time and it's consumed by more things
0: Yeah t- so time management is actually really tough
1: and, and overwhelm and stress and all of those things
0: Yeah I think stress so personally I deal with stress pretty well I don't, I'm not generally imp- and you know me I'm pretty <laughs> even-keeled um, so I'm generally not A stressor at such, so I kind of absorb stress pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Time is an issue. I think you know everyone. um, Everyone is busy. I'd say it's not really a time issue; it's a priority issue. Um, And it's kind of what what do I prioritise in my time? Where can I have the most impact? Uh, And making sure that I make time for those things. Uh, So one of the things that actually a leadership coach told me a while ago that I stuck with me is. Really, kind of look at your time and make sure you're dividing it in three parts. Mm-hmm. So the first part is just managing your ta- managing your team, looking after your team, making sure everything is good and and they're kind of pointed and supported and going in the right direction. Uh, a third of your time with your stakeholders and people that are across the org, understanding what the business needs and uh, making sure um, you're helping them succeed as well. And then actually the, the third bucket is the hardest, which is kind of thinking about the future. So. Mm-hmm. Creating space to work on tough problems that are perhaps not here and now, but are coming down the road, uh, and that's that's the hardest time to that's the hardest thing to actually make time for because it's very easy for the diary to be filled yeah. filled you know eight to six from every day of the week on, on the first two buckets. Yeah. Fine. So one of the one of the things I do is I just colour my diary. Um, so I, actually, all my meetings are
2: Ooh. coloured
0: by those three categories, and on any given week, if I I can spot an imbalance in my time. Uh, mm-hmm. And generally actually when I get to a Friday and I feel like I've had not a great week, it's it's when the balance isn't been right. Ah,
1: that's a good hack, totally stealing that one. <laughs> so just visually you can see at a glance, I've got all the right yeah. levels of the different colors in there. Good one. The tech people at REA are very adept. The capability is high. Like you say, you know, a lot of, um, I guess what, what the Australian tech community uh, are doing, you're often on the kind of cutting edge or leading edge of that, um, for such a a large company, I guess, rather than, you know, your your tiny startups. So they have high standards, and I would also say they're quite improvement-focused, so Mm. probably never satisfied if things aren't getting better.
0: I'd I'd say that's generally the DNA of technology people in general, you know. Mm. I think the the way the tech community is wired at REA, I actually think more broadly, mm. um, is, is kind of a thirst for knowledge and a desire for doing things better. Yeah. So, uh, like, as a leader, I don't feel like I have to push that on people. I mm. think that's uh, something that actually um, comes from within um, the people that we hire. Mm. And it's my, it's my role to support them and, you know, fan the flame of the things that I feel are really important to make sure they get uh, airtime to get done.
1: Yeah. Are there any downsides to that? having that, those high standards, and I guess that thirst for always getting better.
0: Yeah, I don't know about downsides, I think, I think in general it's a very healthy um, attribute for teams to have. I think maybe a challenge perhaps is, you know, people, uh, uh, you know, there's this term in engineering called gold plating, which mm-hmm. means, um, you know, building the best technology thing, whatever it might be, like the best code, the best architecture, the best thing. Um, and quite, actually quite often a lot of what we do is product development and exploration. Mm. So when you're in that world, you actually don't need the Rolls Royce version of the technology, you need the simplest thing that proves whether you're on the right path or not. Yeah. So that's an area where we get trapped into sometimes, you know, actually in both ends, whether it's um, you know, gold plating something that eventually doesn't work and mm. then it feels like a, we've wasted some money. Mm-hmm. And equally, when we've gone lean and mean on something, um, but then becomes a success. How do we actually then come back and invest in that and make it more robust and, yeah. and make it more sustainable?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think if you've got the capability to make something kind of enterprisey grade, then it is a temptation to make it enterprise grade every time. Um, you're right.
0: Yeah, I think I think look, the quality of what we build should meet the the business need fundamentally. So yeah. there are areas of our business where we need industrial strength engineering because we're building things that are going to be here for the next 10 years. And there are areas in our business where uh, we can afford to be more th- throwaway because uh, it's experimental or maybe it's not the core system or it's less hmm. important in some way.
1: Your role is global. Yes, we, have, we have a
0: CTO in, in Asia. His name's Shen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work very closely with him. Uh, but yeah, I represent technology across the group.
1: Yeah. And so how do you keep that standard so high and expand the teams? You know, here and in those other countries
0: yeah i think that's, that's actually a really tough challenge and uh you know we have uh, i would say the, the people context is quite different in the markets that we're operating uh, in australia um, i think we have good access to really good talent there's good universities and uh, good um, careers around technology and some good technology companies around so in you know in melbourne in particular it's a it's a challenge in attracting from that pool mm. Uh, in some of the other markets we operate in, the challenge is quite different. Like we actually can't find the talent, or the talent is not even readily readily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the challenge there is a little bit different. It's actually really kind of fine tuning our hiring practices to make sure we spot good potential mm-hmm. um, and trying to build our own talent more than um, you know, not that we don't hear, but that's that's become more important to, in in our Asian countries in particular.
1: Yeah, interesting. Can you talk a little bit about what advantages do your teams have in owning the assets that they build and then, and then running them?
0: So if I talk about maybe about the you build it, you run it culture first. Yeah. One of the attributes in our organizational design is we have a line of business structure. So mm-hmm. really that's actually uh, an agile term in a lot of ways. It's building cross-functional teams that have got all the skills they need to fulfill the mission for their Consumer or their customer, um, and we try and do that ac- across the business at a business level. So we have lines of businesses that have got engineering teams, uh, you know, sales, marketing, product functions, uh, finance, HR, everything you would need to run run a business. Mm-hmm. So that's the DNA of the of the company and the org structure. and within engineering that plays through in how we manage technology as well. So we have uh, you build it, you own it culture. Those teams that are into lines of businesses have their own technology assets. They they are the ones that are uh, writing the code, uh, managing the production systems, getting woken up at two in the morning when something goes bang, hopefully fixing it the next day so it never happens again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I think there's got a real benefit. There's a benefit in having our engineering teams really close to our customers. It builds good customer empathy and good customer outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also there's a huge benefit in having uh, a culture of owning the product end to end. So the decision on whether to build a new feature, fix a bug, uh, address a production issue, uh, fix a security hole, uh, manage risk, or do other other kind of product things, all sits within the same squad or area of the business. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that operating rhythm, there's a lot less tension. You know, you're not relying on a central team to do something for you. And then you don't suffer from not having the feedback loop where the central team doesn't have the ability to fix the issues that are waking them up at night.
1: I would say that's been very successful. For all the teams, well, you you certainly see them be able to move fast without having to wait.
0: Yeah, I'd say you know my, my view on org structures and and org design is uh, you pick one thing that you optimize on, and I'd say for us that one thing is uh, speed of delivery to our customers, our consumers. Having said that, there are downsides, and the downsides are you know economy, when one of the big downsides is economies of scale. So mm-hmm. when you've got. 650 people, you know, 60 or 70 squads, in lots of areas in the business working on customer problems. They're not always looking at looking sideways to figure mm-hmm. out what problems they're solving that maybe should be solved in a more common way that we, we can get uh, more better, better economies of scale or better leverage out of being more coordinated. Mm-hmm.
1: Is, so that, is that where Colab came
0: from then? So, yeah, so maybe I'll just explain what Colab is. So Colab is really the brand for our technology platform it's we're taking a very product-centric approach and applying all of the things that have really worked to produce products for our for the market to produce our internal products and we're taking a product-led approach to doing that so we have product teams that are in charge of building uh, internal infrastructure components for example
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: their customers actually are really close their customers are other squads within the team so they're they're really force multipliers their job is to uh, help Uh, serve the customer that serves our customers so help them be more effective more efficient Uh, it's it's kind of playing in this fine balance between um, getting economies of scale without having a central command and control uh, approach to how we do things so teams are still autonomous in making decisions we make it as easy as possible to adopt the things that we want them to adopt but at the end of the day if the right thing for a squad to do is to do something else I'll take a different direction because of their context, their problem, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. then their the team is still autonomous in, in, in being able to make that decision.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it was a great idea to brand it, hmm. name it. Where did the idea come from?
0: The idea to brand it was really, uh, it came from one of our lead architects, so Dan Araga, you, know, oh, yeah. you know him well. Um, and it's really because we were talking about this word platform in the company. And the word platform just means so many different things to different people Mm. Um, you know so i find myself into situations even at the exec table or senior product groups or even architecture groups where the word platform gets used but we actually mean different things Mm. what i actually want to talk about is how do we get economies of scale as Mm. we get bigger and bigger Uh, and the word platform wasn't quite nailing that point so Mm. we just invented a word we invented a word we attached some values and some principles around what that word means. Uh, and we created the iconography and the, you know, we printed t-shirts and mm. stickers and those kind of things and made it use kind of like a marketing strategy as you would for a real product mm. to get uh, the conversation going at REA.
1: Yeah, nice. And then you've got a team around it as well.
0: Yeah, that's, so that's one of the criteria. like you can't, um, one of the lessons for us is you can't ach- achieve platform outcomes if you don't have people whose job it is to produce the platform outcome.
2: Yeah.
0: So I think where we've fallen uh, in in a trap in the past is where we spot a problem, we kind of collaborate and kind of in an ad hoc way find a solution and Mm. uh, then we say, that's great, we're all gonna do that now. The reality is agendas change, teams change, people change and that thing that used to be a shared asset now becomes a bottleneck for progress because no one owns it And and no one's got time to water and feed it.
1: And it just illustrates that you build it, you run it.
0: Correct? Concept, right. right? So one of the entry criteria on being a collab product or being allowed to be a branded a collab product is you must have a team and capacity whose job it is to uh, to build and maintain the product, and you must have a product manager whose job it is to engage with customers and figure out what they want.
1: I like it. Well, let's um, talk women in tech. I'd love to hear how it's been going.
0: Yeah, look, I think it's been going really well. I think. Um, you know, I'm kind of, in some ways, a reluctant leader in, in that space. Uh, I'm in a position where I feel I can have influence and impact, and, um, and that's kind of the reason why I'm I've, I've taking it pretty seriously. Uh, you may know me; I'm not a, I'm not someone that uh, likes to uh, pay lip service to things. So I felt for a long time we were uh, paying lip service to the kind of the industry issue around, uh, you know, gender diversity in technology, in particular in REO. Mm-hmm. So for a long, long time, we were measuring. Our you know gender ratio within the company, and it was stuck at nineteen percent. Uh, we all had KPIs and commitments. We were going to move to twenty five percent, and actually, that number didn't move for several years. And it didn't move because we not actually we hadn't mobilized around it. Mm-hmm. It was just a bit of a wish.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so one of the things I did when I joined the role is I thought about this and I thought, you know, I'm a practical kind of guy. What can I actually practically do to move this number, and and address the issue? And um, you know, it came down to um, putting some structure around what are we gonna do, actually do uh, differently, uh, and, with, and with that structure, uh, some funding to make sure it can actually happen, because otherwise it's a you know, strategy without a plan is just a wish. <laughs> um, and it's been successful, I think, you know, two years ago, or actually even, even less, 18 months ago, uh, we had 19% of people in the IT community at REA were female. And you know, eighteen months later, that number's up to twenty-eight and a half percent. So wow. almost a ten percent swing. Hmm. Uh, when I when I actually pitched for the funding to Tracy, my my old boss, I thought it would take us, you know, the best part of ten years to get to thirty percent. I thought it was going to be a real slow burn. So I've just been amazed by how
2: yeah. uh,
0: quickly we made we made progress. And that's been through a combination of things. It's been through a lot of our hiring practices so paying attention to the pipeline and who gets interviewed making sure our interviewing practices allow kind of people with different backgrounds and sex and age and life story kind of thrive we bootstrapped the springboard program as well so we're, we're funding people that are trying to get into technology from other careers or maybe mums coming back from a period off work when the when the technology skills maybe are a bit dated, mm-hmm. and and giving them an avenue to to get into the program, uh, our grad program has been really good in terms of uh, bringing in kind of fifty kind fifty of numbers, and when you put all that together, that's the impact we've had.
1: Mm, that must feel yeah. good. Uh, it's a
0: great result, but uh, you know we're not there yet. I think you know we're far from fifty fifty, and actually the uh, you know while we're focused on the overall numbers, the story is less good when you start splicing those numbers up. So. Mm-hmm. You know in a hardcore technology roles like systems engineers and uh, more senior roles like tech leads uh, diversity numbers are a lot worse mm. at an engineering manager level which are our most senior technology lead leadership roles um it's mostly guys still yeah. so we're certainly not done uh, but it's a journey we're on and I'm, I'm kind of pleased that we've made real progress in the last That's 18 okay. months
1: how's your market should we be scared
0: <laughs> um so I'm, I'm a property investor. So in some ways I I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll look at the property market through my own personal lens and then yeah. I look at it through the RAA lens as well. I think we
1: all probably look at it through our personal lens.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've got, uh, sometimes my views conflict depending on which lens I'm looking at it through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good for the company, not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: look, it's hard, it's hard to say. I, I'm not a property, I'm not really a property market expert or a speculator. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's certainly a year of challenges and headwinds I would say that and some of those challenges are affecting our business. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we had the results of the Royal Commission come out last week. Potentially a change of government and um, potentially negative gearing going to go away. Um, from a business point of view, we've been reporting a declining uh, in listings mm-hmm. for quite a few years now. Oh,
1: I didn't notice. Uh, yeah. Still seem to be making the numbers pretty well.
0: Yeah, we d- we're doing well. We're still growing. We're still growing well, but it's uh, it's been uh, you know we're monetized on. How many properties are being advertised and sold? So mm-hmm. certainly, when those numbers get down, go down, it puts pressure on our growth as well. Yeah. So there, there's some headwinds we're seeing. You know, if that's kind of one way to look at it, the other way to look at it is to stand back and see the history of 50 years of median pro- house prices in Australia, and it's basically a straight line that goes up and to the right, and every few years has a little blip. So the other yeah. way to view it would be, where we overdo a blip. We're in those blips, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, but. Mm. Yeah, please don't take that as uh, financial <laughs> I advice.
1: I won't take that to the market. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking back to when you joined REA or even the REA journey, and digital real estate is a pretty mature market now and REA has enjoyed double-digit growth since since forever, has it? Pretty much, yeah. The company, yeah. Is,
0: the company is 22 years old and it's been in, in high-growth mode through its entire history. Which
1: yeah. What do you think has been the secret sauce that made it so successful, and continue to make it so successful.
0: Yeah, look, I think there's a there's a few different conditions. Like first of all, there's a there's a right place, right time element to it. I think the, there's a technology shift, which was um, the internet was coming um, to bear, and advertising moved from newspapers to digital. And you know, through the right time, right place, right product, right people, mm-hmm. um, REA has been able to ride that wave, and, and that's kind of. You know, if I stand back from it, that's probably the the biggest factor that that is going to lead to our success. Uh, I think at the same time, Australia's got some very unique uh, property market conditions, and even in the other markets that we operate in, in Asia, or even other kind of first world country markets like in uh, in the UK or in uh, the USA, the equivalents of us over there don't have the same success that we've had mm-hmm. in a country with you know much smaller population. So there's something very unique about Australians and what they. Uh, how they engage with property and what they do with property yeah. and we know from looking at our consumer numbers that you know a big chunk of people visiting our website are not buying or selling property they're just you know interesting interested in um you know property generally interested in renovating decorating
2: yep.
0: interested in what their house is worth uh,
2: yeah
0: interested in what their neighbors are doing you mm-hmm. know spying on their family and friends <laughs> um so yeah there's a there's a real you know and you see that in the in the barbecue conversation yeah everyone talks about property
1: yeah true
0: um having, having said that i think that's you know that's, there's an end to there's an end to that growth and one of the reasons why we're investing a lot in asia in in data in the home loans space is because you know it's a strategy to to, to diversify revenue and and uh, find new pools of revenue that we can tap into
1: yeah because
0: the internet migrations kind of done
1: yeah i assume you're hiring because you always are.
0: Uh, yeah, look, I think we're we're always hiring. So um area is an exciting place to work. We have exciting careers in product and design and engineering. Um, lots of interesting work for for a brand that's out there and people know. And so it's kind of an exciting place to be.
1: With a coLab platform and mm. internal products that serve developers and internal conferences, is there anything in the way you work and your engineering culture and platforms and products and processes that be a source of revenue since you're diversifying
0: your revenue yeah well i don't uh, i don't think about our investments in in paying off in that way i think the uh, you know we're fundamentally our core business is property advertising and that's what we're here to to do um so i see those things as very important enablers in allowing us to do that in a really good way Mm -hmm. um you know perhaps in the future we, we might be the next
1: Amazon Web Services or,
0: (laughs) but that's certainly not something, there's there's plenty of opportunity in front of us before we get to something like that, i Very
1: good. Software engineering is kind of like the new black now. You can see our friend Adam is at ANZ, growing that appreciation of software engineering capability and and a lot of companies are trying to build that now. But I think that attitude has changed as more non-tech folk become more tech and digital savvy, and I don't mean—I mean just aware, mm. aware that we need software now for everything, and everything's digital. Have you seen attitudes change?
0: I'm not sure. I've noticed a change, like a real change. I think there's there's generally, I think, a bigger curiosity for non-tech people to get into tech and product. Like, I'm, certainly, mm-hmm. we had lots of internal movements in the past couple of years, from you know, legal team or our call center team to. Uh, pursue tech and product careers. That's that's interesting. And you know we're, we're a big enough company that we can um, afford to provide those opportunities for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe uh, you know as tech becomes, yeah, maybe as, maybe as a stigma of being like the you know the developer in the dungeon. Uh, what was that British show? The
1: oh, the IT crowd. Oh yeah,
0: like the the kind of the IT crowd stigmas. <laughs> maybe uh, lessening over time as 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 software is rising to the fore and and. People are seeing the opportunity that those careers can provide.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that have your exec chums turning to you a lot, looking to the tech representative for the answers? How can we get faster, better, bigger?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think like I think they're, you know, in some ways they're they're kind of constant, always on conversations. I think mm-hmm. I think in any in any business really, and and at an exec table, which is. Uh, yeah, how can we do better? How can we go faster? How can we do more for less? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we do the right things? How do we prioritize? I think they're they're kind of always on conversations. I think uh, in a company like us, uh, our approach to technology and the product can have a huge impact on on how we work uh, and what we achieve. The interesting, I think, trend for us is as the company gets bigger and bigger, it's getting harder for us to really achieve things in an isolated kind of sandbox kind of squad way a lot of the things that we are trying to do uh, in the last couple of years and certainly going forward need a lot of coordination across lots of squads so mm-hmm. it's interesting like we're an agile company but um, the ideas of like program management and how do we do big programs and coordinate lots of squads to a uh, kind of big deliverable are starting to creep back into the organisation just out of necessity because we're finding ourselves in a position where a lot of the Uh, Big bets we're making require considerable investment and coordination.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Tom, thank you so much for your time. It's been great chatting with you.
0: Thank you.